Father, once again this morning, Father, we are here in your presence. Commit ourselves to your hands, O Lord. Your word says, O Lord, the unfolding of your word brings light. Father, this morning, unpack your word. Shine your light. Quicken us this morning. Yes, Lord, even as we heard this morning, yes, Lord, when we look at all these things, we want to look up, knowing that our redemption is nigh. But Lord, enable us, Lord, also to understand that we will all appear at the judgment seat of Christ. And therefore, I pray, Lord, that, Lord, we will not become complacent, but, Lord, that we will work out truly our salvation with fear and with trembling. For it, is, for it is God who works in us to do and to obey His good pleasure. And therefore this morning, O oh Father, even as we surrender ourselves to the authority of the Word of God, I pray, Father, that Lord, that You would quicken us, that You would prepare us, that You would give us the tools to prepare ourselves, O oh Lord, Father, for Your coming, that we will be able to stand before You blameless and unashamed, your word says, those who have this hope purify themselves as you are pure. And your word says, O oh Lord, it is the pure in heart who will see their God. And this morning, I pray, Lord, through the word that you would grant us, Lord, the determination and the inclination to cleanse ourselves and to purify ourselves with of every uncleanness of the spirit and of the flesh, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. Grant us grace to that and we pray. Anoint us in the speaking and the hearing. For in Jesus' mighty name, Amen. Last week was Resurrection Sunday. And we were looking at the implications of the resurrection of Jesus Christ on the life of every believer. And we have like, we have three main events. It's the birth of Jesus. It's the death of Jesus and the crucifixion, death and uh, crucifixion and burial of Jesus, and of course, the resurrection of Jesus. These are the events which happened in history, historically, they're proven. And the one thing that is inevitable is the second coming of Jesus. Okay, this is such a, is so important. No, Sometimes we might take these things for granted, but it is very, very important for us to realize. And I, I deliberately chose this theme because uh, it is it's important for me. Because very, very rarely have I contemplated the fact that one day I have to stand before the judgment, judgment seat of Christ and what will my situation be? Okay. You know, we learn the subject, we also prepare for the exam. <laughs> right? It's very important, no? Um, and there is an, an exam which is, which is inevitable. It says, if you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 and 28 together, we have to look at those two verses. And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. Look at those definite articles over there. It is a the judgment. It is not a judgment. It is the final, the finale. After this, it's all set. Okay. And if you look at history, God intervened in time to show that he is a God who judges people. And if you look at the days of Noah, he judged the entire World in the flood, except a few. Okay. So, there will be scoffers in the last days 
who will say, where is the promise of his coming? But you should not be among them. We may not be scoffing, but there could be an attitude inside of our, inside of our heart, an attitude of complacency, which is not positive, but negative in the morning, as we heard, which is not, which will, which will, you know, we'll say, okay, yeah, you know, thousands of years we heard this, but every generation, every successful Christian generation, if you looked at, if you look at church history, they always thought that God would come back during his time. So he says, and as it is appointed for men to die once after this other judgment, after this it is, it is said. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many to those who eagerly wait for him. You see that? The question is, do we really eagerly wait for him? I'm waiting for you, Lord. And Paul says, Come Lord Jesus and those who do not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let them be what? They curse it. What a tremendously powerful statement to make. Uh, And he's writing to the believers of course. So he says, to those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Of course he's not talking about salvation uh, from the the penalty of sin. No, it's a salvation completely from the presence of sin. So whatever our spiritual state at that time will be permanent. Okay, when we enter into eternity. So it is so very important for us to understand that the next important event that is going to happen in our lives is the judgment. Okay, and that is one of the implications of the resurrection. If you turn with me therefore this morning to a passage in Acts chapter 17, let's read from uh, verse 1, 16 and 17 first, uh, 16 to 18 and then uh, verse 29 onwards, 16 to 18. Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw. The word for saw is really, really important. It is There are several words in uh, Greek for saw. The w- One word is ido, which is to perceive. What, another word is blepo, is to see. And here is theoreo, which is to theorize. You know, so what, what, what Paul was looking was, he was looking at Athens and he was, he was, his spirit was stirred when he was contemplating every idol that, they, that, that those fellows worshipped. Okay. And Greeks worshipped different, different things. And one of the things that they worshipped was Sophia, the, the goddess of wisdom. Okay. So it's a huge thing in their, in their, in the culture. So his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idolatry. This, that's remarkable. Okay. This is, this is a truly New Testament man who is not comfortable in the, in the, in the place that he is living in, the environment, in the spiritual environment that he is living in. And we should also be of the quality of the Apostle Paul. When we look at things around us, we should not be comfortable. On the contrary, our spirit has to be stirred when we see the idolatry around us. Okay? There's, it's, there's tremendous amounts of it. We're not talking about just worshipping of idols. There's, there's so many other idols that we worship. So what did he do? Therefore, he reasoned. And if you look at this entire passage, you'll see he reasoned, he debated, he strove, etc. With, with whom did he reason? He reasoned in, with the, in, uh, in the synagogue with the Jews. He did not go to, the, go to the temples there. He went to the Jews over there and he said, guys, you are here in the presence of all this idolatry. How come idolatry is continuing when you guys are right, right down here? It's impossible for me to, I cannot comprehend it. And he started with, uh, uh, synagogue, uh, sorry, reasoned with the synagogue, with the Jews and with the Gentile worshippers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. So he started, he couldn't keep quiet. Then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him. Okay. And some said, what does this babbler want to say? Others said he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them about Jesus and the resurrection. 
Now, the implication of this event is very, very important. Look at what it says in verses 29 to 31. We know the story. I'm not going into the details of it because I just want to uh, notice, uh, uh, bring to attention a very important uh, aspect here. 29 onwards. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and human uh, devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Why? Because he has appointed a day, oh my goodness, on which he will judge the world in righteousness. By whom? By the man whom he has ordained. Who is that man? Jesus. He has given assurance of this. What is the assurance? That one day there is going to be a judgment by this man. And he has given assurance of this by what? Raising him from the dead. So this is the next event that is going to happen in everyone's life. So think about it, okay, today this morning, when we are uh, meditating upon God's word, just say, Lord, make me conscious about the fact, because we are living in unprecedented times, two years of lockdown, no school, when did we, when did it happen? Never. Okay. Think about it, no man, I, I, I was in academia for almost 35 years. And it never did my, did, for one year, I, I mean, it never happened in my life that, even a single exam I missed. I had to write exams to get a grade. Now I look at all these fellow guys over here. I don't want to say fellows. Uh, I, say, I said, boy, these guys, right. but it is unprecedented. Now think about it. Now if when Jesus comes, all the education that you have, <laughs> that you have obtained is going to be absolutely useless. It's just going to just burn up in, in the, in the fire of his judgment. So it's so important. Make me conscious, Lord. Make me conscious about the fact that one day I am going to stand before you. We'll come to that. So what happened? Next verse, verse 32. Look at what, what the react, reaction. Look at the reaction. And when they heard of the resurrection from the dead, some mocked. That's a problem. M- mocking means it will not happen in my lifetime. Okay. It's, it's too far. Pastor says another generation. <laughs> we have time. <laughs> See, that is complacency. We never know. See, that's the reason why it says in Proverbs chapter 1, he says the complacency of fools will destroy them. What a word that is. The complacency of fools. Because when I called you, you did not regard me. When all these things happen to you, I will also laugh at you. You know why? For the turning away of the simple will slay them and the complacency of the fools will destroy them. So never ever become comfortable. Work out your salvation, Paul says, much more in my absence as if I'm there, boss, let your convictions, let the convictions that I have preached to you become your convictions. Okay. So what happened? In verse 32, some mocked. And while others said, you know what, verse 32, also 1732, others said, we will hear you again on this matter again. But there will be a select few. So Paul departed. See, when Paul, after that, he never argued with them. See, after that, you will see that he is not going to talk to the Athens anymore. He's gone out of the place. Finished. I've, I've done my duty. I've done my apologetics as much as I can. <laughs> okay. I've tried to convince you. Now, if you said, okay, I'll hear about this, I have got nothing more to say. You know, that is where you have to stop. A lot of people start arguing with you. After that, they'll say, okay, I'll listen up, I'll talk about this. After that, you don't even say one thing. Just get out of the place. Enough. So what happened? So Paul departed from among them. Verse 34. Verse 34. However, uh, 
some men joined him. I like that. They joined him and believed. You see, what did they believe? Ah, they only believe that one day what this guy is saying is true, and one day I have to give an account. And you see, there is deep down inside the consciousness of every man that you have to give an account. It's there. You cannot run away from that. It says, the law of the Lord is written in their hearts. Their conscience bearing witness. Their conflicting thoughts either excuse them or accuse them on that day when God is going to judge the secrets of men's heart according to my gospel by that man Jesus Christ. Paul says in Romans chapter 2. There is an inevitable, the day of inevitability is a day when judgment is going to be set and it is going to be permanent. That's what Pastor keeps telling in the Q&A. So why are you saying, why is not God, God judging? There is, there is a day which is appointed and after that it is over. And what are we supposed to do? Prepare ourselves. So what are the most implic- most important implications of the resurrection of Christ? Yes, we have been justified because we he was raised again for our justification, it says. Yes, we have been justified by faith and we are peace with God. And what do we do therefore now? Prepare ourselves. Because we have to do give an account for everything that we have done uh, in, in this body. If you turn with me to First Peter, I just didn't put it there. If you turn with me to First Peter, we call him Father, right? Look at what it talks about the Father. Hmm? First Peter chapter one, <clears throat> uh, verse, hmm, where it says uh, about the father, seventeen? No, no, no. Yeah, 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 seventeen. And if you call on the father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work. Conduct yourselves throughout the time of your exile. In other words, yes, we will say, or your sojourning, or your stay here. How? In fear. Okay. Understand this. Okay. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse nine to eleven. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse nine to eleven. Therefore, we make it our aim. You see, we need to have ambitions in life. One of the aims. What is the aim? Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. And those who live according to the flesh ah, cannot please God. And so what do we do? We make it our aim not to live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. We make it our aim not to live by sight, but by faith. And we sing that song, no? Lord, hasten the day when my... Faith shall be sight. What a song that is. Okay, it is well with my soul. Hasten the day when my faith shall be sight. For we must, (laughs) not may, we must, of course this is talking about the Bhima seat of Christ, but understand, we must appear, all appear, not appear, all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So what do we do next verse? Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. So we have the lamb picture and that day we'll see the wraths of the... I mean, I, I just want to know what that is. I can only imagine what are they saying? Please stones, mountains fall on me and protect us from the water of the lamb. Have you ever seen a lamb with rods? 
I do not know how that will be. It's going to be one heck of a day. Okay, so read the book of Revelation, by the way. Okay, the book of Revelation is sufficiently scary. <laughs> if you don't get scared after the reading the book of Revelation and make changes accordingly, if you make changes accordingly, you are the most blessed. That's what it says. You are most, blessed are those people who heed the words of this prophecy. He says, not just once, thrice in the book of Revelation. Blessed are one man of God. Um, he was not able to get a handle on the book of Revelation. And what he did, for 30 days, every day he read the book of Revelation. Every day. Just imagine, just make it a habit, okay? Maybe not, if not for 30 days, just read through the book of Revelation in a month, over and over again, as many times as you can. Then you will know, this is for sure. And you know what? This same John, who was putting his head in the bosom of Christ, you know what he, what he, what he says? When I saw his face, I fell on my face like one dead. And that is scary. And this is only a vision he saw. We are going to see Pratyaksha Prasaram, live telecast. That is going to be interesting, interesting, isn't it? Okay, so prepare. Because it is appointed to man to die once. And then the judgment, it says, no. Knowing, if we have seen all these things, we have should be, what kind of persons have to have we to be? What? In holy conversation and godliness, make hastening the coming of the coming of the Lord. Looking forward and hastening. Isn't isn't it interesting how that, that phrase is looking forward and hastening the coming of the Lord? So there are two kinds of people in Christendom. Christendom, not the world. Those who delay the coming of the Lord and those who hasten the coming of the Lord. Which kind of people are we? <laughs> Second Peter chapter three, if I'm right. Which verse is that? 12? Verse 11 and 12, yeah. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought we to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening, looking for, okay, forward to, and hastening the coming of the Lord, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. That's exactly what he did when he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. He just gave us a preview as to what is going to happen. Preview. What he did to Ananias and Sapphira, it was a preview. Preview, right there, dropped dead right in the presence of the Lord in the, in the first century church. And it says, great, what came? Fear came. They did not take God for granted anymore. They understood it. God is gone. God is a God who's serious. Yes, he's a loving God. He's an incredibly awesome, loving, heavenly father. In his goodness, he draws us to repentance. Why? Because he wants us to save from the wrath. That's the reason why he says, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, what should you do? Produce fruit in which is in keeping with repentance. It's the goodness of God which draws you to repentance. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Understand this. So, so, prophetic words will come to pass. Okay, and we have the prophet. Who is the prophet in the Bible? Jesus. Because he says in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 18, he says, I am going to raise a prophet like you from among your brethren. Listen to his words. And if you do not listen to your words, I will require them from you. And the ultimate prophet came and he spoke prophetically also. So why is this important? If you turn with me to Second Peter chapter 1, verse 19, a very interesting words was, okay, which is talking about. And now this is uh, Peter describing his experience in the mountain of transfiguration. Okay, a lot of people have visions. Okay, visions and dreams are good. But look, look at what he says. He trumps something above something which is which he believes in above 
the visions and dreams that he gets. It says, and so we have the prophetic word. Uh, uh, KJV uses the word, much more sure word of prophecy. You don't have to turn there. So we have the prophetic word confirmed, which we do well to heed uh, as a light that shines in dark places. So the prophetic word in essence is a one which shines light where in dark places. So it gives you light. It gives you uh, the tools and the in, and the information and the knowledge, not, not the information, the knowledge, knowledge as to how to prepare yourself. It gives you light as to how to prepare yourself for that day until the day dawns. So till that day, which is, which, which is the coming of the Lord and the morning star arises in your hearts. Now Derek Prince gives an interesting example. He says, uh, just before the sun rises, what comes is what? The morning star. Okay, when you see the morning star, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think in Hyderabad you will see it. If you go to villages and all, you will be able to see the morning star. When the morning star, it's just, just before dawn, just before twilight, if you will, you'll see it's, it's so bright that it actually brightens the entire horizon and it, it almost feels as if it's the sun. Okay. So he says, the morning star should arise. Why? Because what is coming? The day of the Lord is coming. And how is that happens? When you take heed to the what word? The prophetic word. The prophetic word. So, his prophecies will come to pass. Especially the ones which are spoken by Jesus will have to come to pass. That's it. And if you look at, you know, whatever was spoken about Jesus came, came to pass literally. Not metaphorically. Okay. Not metaphorically or not theoretically. No, no, no. Literally they came to pass. Literally. He was born of the virgin. Like pastor was saying yesterday. It was prophesied 600, 600 years before he was, he was born. But it came to pass. How? Literally. Okay. Behold, I have called my son out from Egypt. Came to pass literally. He will be born in Bethlehem. Came to pass literally. Literally. Okay. Crucifixion. He was pierced for our Trans- he was pierced literally. What Paul, what David, he was not pierced. What David was experiencing, that's the reason why in uh, Luke, Luke chapter 24 he says, Oh you uh, foolish ones and slow of heart to uh, understand what the prophets have spoken. Did not Christ have to suffer first and then go into glory? And he says, beginning from Psalms, <laughs> it's interesting, from the Psalms he shows exactly what the Messiah had to go through. And everything about what the Messiah went, uh, had to go through came to pass what? Literally, literally. There's not going to be a metaphorical judgment. No, there's going to be a literal judgment. We don't metaphorically pay pay taxes. We literally pay taxes because death and taxes are inevitable. We had quite a bit of taxes last year. No, okay, it it drills a hole in our pocket, so we know it's. I paid my taxes metaphorically. The government says, "Hey, okay, but I will put you in jail." Literally, okay. <laughs> okay, so if you metaphorically pay taxes, you will get all the, uh, what do you say? <laughs> yeah, yeah, those, what do you call, what do you call them? Notices, no? Yeah, our Samuel is an expert in us how to tackle those notices. But we know, okay, when we know, when, because there is a day of reckoning. It's called a day of reckoning. That is the reason why the kingdom of God is like the one who keeps what? Accounts, huh? Accounts. The credit and debit has to balance. Period. So that is the reason why we keep short accounts with God. Understand this. So we have a much more sure word of prophecy. Prophecy, how do we therefore prepare ourselves for the coming? So let us look at only one aspect. I'm not going to go to several. We just let's, let's turn to the, the, as I say, from the horse's own mouth, Matthew chapter 24. Let's read from verse 3 onwards. 
Okay, well, let's read from one onwards, maybe. One onwards, just to get a p- perspective. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to show him the buildings. You know why? Just before that, a, a widow, um, uh, a poor widow puts in two mites, and he says, she has put in a lot. And they said, you know what? This building was made from donations. Jesus said, really? And he came out, and he said, not one stone will remain. Do you not know? Do you see? Uh, Jesus said, do you see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, so they all went up the mountain, okay? This is not a, this was quite a bit of a travel they did. So it's always good to go along with Jesus onto the mountain. Come up and be there. Thank you so much. Come up and be there. Okay, and that's it. That's what he says. Come up. Uh, John, I'm going to show to you some certain things that is going to happen very soon. And what he sees in Revelation chapter 4 and 5 is amazing. It's amazing. I mean, you cannot stop but just be at wonder and awe at the sight that he's trying to describe. And he's groping for words literally. You know, you read in English is one thing. You should read it in Telugu. <laughs> oh my goodness, Telugu has come grandikam. It's, a, it's as if you're reading, listening to some Mahabharata only you'll feel. Oh, Simhasanam and all these things. So remarkable picture uh, that uh, John has when he comes up and he sees and he's got this perspective. Okay, so he brings the disciples and he sat on the Mount of Olives and the disciples came to him. This is very important for all of us to understand. If you're a disciple, you will come to him and you will come to him privately. Very important. Privately. Okay? Right? That is exactly how... Uh, when we were quoting, we were meeting each other privately. <laughs> when nobody is seeing us, even when you go to a restaurant, corner place. <laughs> My wife is hiding her face like that. <laughs> so, see, we, we, and it's okay, no problem. <laughs> see, see, this is important. So, you see, so God says, you know what? When disciples came to him privately and they asked him, you see, when you ask Jesus, he will tell you. You know what it says? When the Holy Spirit comes, he will lead you to all truth. He will take what is of me and he will give it to you. And he will also huh, tell you of the things to come. Yeah, very important. He will prepare us. And that's the, that's the reason why he says, the Lord God will do nothing until he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. And he tells Abraham, can I withhold from Abraham what I am about to do to Sodom? Knowing that Abraham is going to be a mighty nation. Knowing that he's going to command his children after, after him to, to, uh, to obey the precepts and the commandments of the Lord. So he, he is the one who, who speaks to us when we go to him privately and we really have a sincere desire. Lord, I want to know how do I prepare myself? How do I prepare myself for your coming? I want to go to the exam. Civil services exam and you know something, um, how uh, p- p- teachers or civil servant exam, uh, entrance exam teachers, you know how they actually capture the students. They don't just take any student. They will first see, Are, you will not get, you will not get civil services. Get out, he will say. First. And then you know what this guy does? Every day is going, he, is go, he goes there and he hangs there at her uh, door and he says, Madam, please teach me. Are, you will not get it, Ray, please get out. Again the next day. Okay, let me see. What do you know? And slowly that is how it starts. The seriousness. So God just does not, you know, reveal everything to us. 
Okay, that's what that's what he told the disciples also. I have many things to say to you, but you are not ready to bear them now. Okay, when the time comes, you will know. So, don't just rush in for revelation. Be prepared to receive the revelation, so so that you'll be able to handle it. It's not for our enjoyment or to feel great about ourselves. When we get revelation, it is for us to prepare ourselves. So, God is also a God who does not reveal everything to everybody. He only sees how interested you are. One day. So, you know, if you are really, really believers, uh, how do you read your Bible? You know, one man of God says, you should read your Bible in two ways, intensely and intimately. Intensely and intimately. I remember, you know, when those two words really, really, you know, uh, speak to me because that's exactly how I read the Bible when I read it for the first time. Intense. Every word as if it was speaking to my heart, I underlined every word from the Bible. Intensely and intimately. Okay, so read your Bible that way. Study the word of God that way. As if your life is dependent upon that. That's what I tell uh, Abigail. What is this errors in your exam? No, I made a mistake. You should not make a mistake. You should think as if your life is dependent upon that. You should hang on to every word like that. Okay, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So we have so many, so many words spoken by God. How do we read the Bible? Do we read the Bible intensely and intimately? It's very important for us to understand. So let us read. So tell us when will these things happen? When these, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Okay, that means end of the age means the word is time. So there's going to be an end of time. And then what will begin is ages. Not <laughs> In the ages to come, he's going to show us the exceedingly great riches of his love in Christ Jesus, etc. So ages will start. But this age is going to finish. Okay, And it's a minuscule when compared to the ages that God is going to have, uh, is, is, uh, God wants to have with us to enjoy in his presence. So therefore, let us look at this. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. Let us look at verses 1 to uh, 8 and then we will just look at verse 4. Okay, 4 to 8. For many will come in my name, saying I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Okay. For nation will rise against nation. The word for nation is ethnos, from which we get the word ethnic group. Okay, which we, that is exactly what it means. Ethnic group will rise against ethnic group. Kingdom against kingdom. Now, what what does it mean? Every kingdom is a political ideas. There will be a conflict of political ideas, and there will be an intense interest about people to stick to their ethnic community identity. Okay, Maratha. Kulti, sorry, Telugu, uh, okay, Tamil, okay, and everybody, Indian, etc. Everybody will be looking to um, stick to their national identity. So there'll be uh, ethnic group rising against ethnic group, political conflicts, meaning kingdom against king, political ideas. Uh, pitched against political ideas and you've seen this, right? Throughout the last year, we've seen ideas confronting with each other, okay? There will be famines, pestilences ignored by uh, NIV, and earthquakes in various places. And all these will be the what? The beginning of the sorrows. So what does that mean? Beginning of birth pangs means who's coming? The baby is coming. Okay, how many of you want the baby? Uh, so a so, lot, lot of people want to abort the baby. No, the baby is coming. This baby cannot be aborted. 
is only the beginning of sorrows. And let's move on. Okay, let's move on. Verse 9. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you and you will be hated by all nations for my sake and then look at the word and then and then and then and then you'll see a nice algorithm over there okay and then many will be offended will and will betray one another and will hate one another okay and then many false prophets will arise and deceive many and because lawlessness will abound or other other translations will use the word iniquity will abound the love of many will grow cold verse 13 and 14 but he who endures till the end will be saved and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all nations as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come now think about that no 14 is a scary statement if the requirement of Jesus to come is the gospel has to reach all the nations, what is ethnic groups, ethnos again. 2020, how many people looked at internet and were searching? We do not even know how, where the internet has reached and how many people actually have received the word of God. We do not know. We are literally living in those times where it's quite possible that we have reached the end of the age and what we are living is possibly only on borrowed time. Okay. You see when it says, when you see the fig tree blossoming, look at the nation and the nations, it says. It's remarkable. And it says, this generation will not pass away until everything is fulfilled. Look at the nation. What is the nation? Look at Israel and the nations. I'll tell you something. It was 1948, in the, in the year 1948, after 1948, 1947, India received independence. And post-1948, so many countries in Africa and in Asia received independence and they actually became nations. New nations were birthed. The fig tree blossomed. And all nations, and in 1967, Israel, uh, Jerusalem, which was a part of the Gentiles, became a part of Israel. And in 2018 or 19, (laughs) the American government declared Jerusalem to be the national capital of Israel. That's remarkable. No, don't tell me that we are not living in unprecedentedly. This is these these are the end times. And if you look, if you want to look at the minute clock, okay, it's. uh, 11 o'clock, 59 minutes, I don't know how many seconds, you can write the seconds for yourself. Based upon your faith, let it be done unto you. <laughs> I understand that. So we are living in unprecedented times and we have to be absolutely careful, boss. I don't want to miss out on this one. Because the day of judgment is the judgment, which is going to come and I have to be prepared myself. So how do we do this? The first thing therefore Jesus says, if you turn with me to uh, Acts chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 24 and verse 4, this is what he says. This verse 4. Jesus answered and said to him, said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. The word for deceive is interesting. It says, means to be led astray, to cause to fall into error, or to err, or to divert from the path that God has ordained. Let me tell you, there's a word, there's a saying, no? You can fool some people all the time. Okay? Some people all the time. You can peep, you can fool all the people sometime. And some people, not, not, but not all the people all the time. Okay? Some people all the time. 
all the people sometime, but not all the people all the time. No, I always used to ask this question: Who is that one fellow? Some people who can you whom you can fool all the time. Who is that one fellow whom you know very well, whom you can fool all the time? Any answers? Excuse me. Exactly, Pastor. (laughs) It is yourself. That one fellow you can fool all the time. Have you seen how nicely we fool ourselves? I'll show you. I'll show you. Okay. Some people. (laughs) So I was wondering who that some people I was counting. No, maybe my parents. No, 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 no. They they are very sharp. I can't fool them. (laughs) Maybe my wife. No, 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 no. She is able to see. Sometimes I might just get away, but she is able to see through. Okay. Maybe my children. No, 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 no. Okay. My children also. They are. Maybe my pastor. Pastor knows everything. So (laughs) forget it. So. One fellow I can definitely fool all the time is not Josh or Enoch. He's not Athira. Because they cannot converse converse with them. Not Madhu or, uh, what's his name? Rihan. Okay. Because they don't even understand what you're saying. But one fellow who's always fooled by you is yourself. Okay. Understand. So the greatest fellow whom you have to guard from deception is you. From yourself. Okay. I'm not going to make uh, mention. I don't. I, I, I don't want to call man of God, etc. I heard one preacher say this. Okay. Let me just read what he said. Okay. <clears throat> just a second. Self-deception. Self-deception. What is self-deception? The, the definition of self-deception, according to this preacher, is the infinite capacity of the human heart. To hide the truth from itself when it knows that the truth is very uncomfortable. The infinite capacity of the human heart to hide the truth from oneself when it knows that the truth is very, very uncomfortable. He says, no, 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 no. I don't want to hear it. And he will find ways in his own heart as to hide himself from the truth. Okay. So the greatest deception is self-deception. So how does this happen? Okay, so when we are getting ready for the last days, what should we guard against is deception from Vijay, one one fellow called Vijay. (laughs) And in your case, your own name. One fellow who's been fooled all the time is you, my dear brothers. Don't understand, don't don't ever take those things lightly. You know, we are very upset when somebody else deceives us. Hey, she deceived me. Okay, the shopkeeper deceived me. Look at what he gave to me. He ripped me off. He fleeced me. All these things we, all these words we use. Okay? Batti gul meter chalu, etc. <laughs> right? You, you all these, but how many of us were got upset? Vijay, you deceived me today. Nonsense. Did we say that? No? Oh, yo, Vijay. You deceived me, Ray. Next time don't do it, okay? We say that. We don't deal with him with an iron fist. That's the problem. So we have the infinite capacity to deceive ourselves as to how therefore should one guard ourselves from this. So the Bible gives us several ways. Let us look at a few ways. Let's turn with me, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. Look at what it says. How one can deceive oneself. Let no one deceive himself. 
if anyone among you seems to be wise in this age chalu in this age let him become a fool that he may be made wise first thing what deceives us is our worldly accomplishments because we are so accomplished in the world or we have intelligence that we have gained from the world or we have passed passed so and so so and so exams or we have got the iq test which which tells us you have an iq of so and so so and so whatever that iq be okay because we have wisdom from this age we have, let me tell you who is the more easy how can you which is a person who can easily receive the gospel the poor man or the intelligent smart man poor man and I, i'll tell you something you know very funny okay there was one guy called parishuddhara okay who is who listens to our telugu messages so he and he called me the other day he just called me the other day and he said pastor garu i was not able to listen to the telugu messages because my smartphone broke okay uh in the you spelling in telugu okay and he said please when you pray to god please complain to him also <laughs> that you know my smartphone is getting is giving me trouble and not able to listen to listen to the messages please complain to him no i started laughing and i said i have never heard complaining like this complain to god and i started laughing and he said pastor garu i am from the village i don't know english i said you know what these simple people receive the word all the other complicated fellows they do not what they will do is they'll be judging the word instead of instead of letting the word judge them i was so tickled you know and he keeps calling me pastor please please pray for me i should have that and then he said uh, he put a he put uh, finally got his smartphone repaired after the smartphone got repaired and he called me again he said you are the first person i wanted to inform that my smartphone got repaired and now i want to listen to all the messages regularly okay, you know what he is he is just a worker he is a mason I was stunned. The simple. That's the reason the gospel is to the poor. And the more wise you are, Baba, so difficult to reach you. What should happen to you? God has to appear to you like the ten thousand sons. Only then you will listen. Hamo, oh yeah, who are you, Lord? <laughs> who are you? Ten thousand sons. After that, think about it. That is the reason why he says, "I am a person who is born out of time." Why does he say that? Why does he say that Paul is a man who is born out outside time? I'll tell you why. Because all the Jewish people have to be re- have to be reached like that. Hang one shot on their head. And he says, you know what? If God wouldn't have interfered like this, I wouldn't have been born. And that is what he says. I am born out of time. I am not with my Jewish kinsmen. I am born out of time. By incredible wisdom, intelligence. theological wisdom sophia he can talk to the greeks he can talk to the jews he can talk to the barbarians or think about that so god had to receive meet him and how did he have to meet him 10000 sons and he says oh my goodness who are you lord you see the wisdom of this world that is the reason why it says the world by its wisdom did not know god but it pleased god through the foolishness of preaching what an amazing statement those statements are to save those who believe for jews require a sign greeks run after knowledge but we preach christ and him crucified a stumbling block to the jews and a foolishness to the gentiles but to those who are being saved christ the wisdom of god see you need to read those words you should go crazy on <laughs> this is it 
wisdom worldly wisdom how how so many times right even in my own i, I can tell you from my own testimony when you know, when when over the vessel is you know who's preaching i always have contrary thoughts as to why that is not true in my life have you faced that i mean you should be honest why i can't i mean that doesn't apply to me no 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 but you know if you just slowly slowly you know pause don't uh, listen to messages in 1.5 I mean, you can. Sorry, <laughs> that I also do, so that I can listen more. <laughs> When I'm saying 1.5, I'm saying that let it have its effect in my life. That's what I mean. You can listen to whatever speed. Yeah, speed doesn't matter. I listen to twice also sometimes because uh, sometimes I feel Derek Prince is so slow. I put it in two. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I said, okay, this is mine. This is my speed. Okay, fine. This is good. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I'm not, I'm, but uh, that is what, one of the reasons why I used to not listen to a direct prince a lot because you know what? By the time I come to a smart, I'm like, why is he so slow? Come on. Next point, Baba. Next point. <laughs> so then I found, thankfully, YouTube also has now custom speed. Okay. You can 1.35, 1.5, depending upon what you're listening to. Okay. So. Let the word of God start making sense. Don't don't just. That is the reason why it says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. To the pulling down of strongholds, we bring down every idea which is contrary. And we have got so many ideas, my dear brothers. And they are all not necessarily worldly ideas. They are theological ideas. We counter theology with theology. Hmm. God understands. Is how we counter God judges. Just giving an example. So there is a wisdom which is of this world, and there is a wisdom which is from God. Okay, and what happens? Unless and until we give up these things, we will never be able to come to a point where we say, you know what? I am free from self-deception, because we have got so many ideas in this world which deceive us all the time. I remember when my boss, no, Vijay, this universe. So big, billions and billions of stars in one small speck called Egypt. Uh, sorry, not Egypt. Uh, Earth. It's like dust. In that dust, we are like dust, and you are saying that God is interested in people like us. Ha, come on, Vijay. Why? All your sophisticated theology. I'm mean, sorry. Brains have come up with this stupid theology, saying that God doesn't exist. Who says in his heart? Fool. intelligent fool <laughs> educated fool accomplished fool prosperous fool then put all these adjectives but he is fool researcher but fool kya baat hai see that is the reason why ultimate research is god That's the reason he says, "Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the strong man boast in his strength. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him boast that he knows me." And in Telugu, it's very interesting. Parisilanaga. That means by doing research, he has found me. You know. In other words, he said, "Of the the prince and the king of all researchers is to know not about God, but to know God. For this is what eternal life to know God." Know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And what do, why do my, my people perish? They perish because they do not have the knowledge of God. It is not knowledge, not the knowledge about God. It is not even the knowledge as to how to live a godly life. These are there are two different things. You can know as the principles as to how to live a godly life, but you don't know God. You don't know God. 
don't lie don't cheat don't uh, be honest these are all good things they're all godly principles but do you know god hardly hardly so we need to know god and what is the biggest stumbling block is our wisdom look at what it says in acts chapter 7 verse 20 we know this verse very well acts chapter 7 verse 20 onwards <clears throat> And this time Moses was born and was well pleasing to God and he was brought up in his father's house for three months but even as, but he was set out Pharaoh's daughter, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and brought him up as her own son and Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. Can you put it out in the NIV this verse 22? It's very interesting. One of the uh, yeah. powerful in speech and in action. My God, this guy was a man of action. He is a guy who says, you know what? Go get it. No? That kind of a guy. He is not going to sit idle. If, if you've seen that mo- movie, you know, the Ten Commandments. Your wish is my command. He says to his noble Sethi. Sethi is, his, of course, father, his adoptive father. Your wish is my command. So much, you know, uh, <laughs> dialogue, dialogue is, the city is made of, city is made of bricks pharaoh. Okay. City is made of bricks pharaoh. Strong make many. Weak make few. The dead make none. Tongue. So much to accusations. Now see the results. That's what he says. <laughs> you should see that, that dialogue of the room movie is fantastic. You guys, I don't know how to, what to say about you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just hung on to every dialogue. I watched it so many times. Okay. City is made of bricks, Pharaoh. The strong make many. The weak make few. The dead make none. So much to accusations. And now look at the results. He shows the results and Pharaoh is impressed and he says, superb! Moses. And then comes Ramesses. City that is that he built will bear my name. The woman that he loves will bear my child. So it shall be written, written, so it shall be done. And then of course the movie goes on. Mighty in deeds, powerful in speech and action. Cecil DeMille, by the way, you should look, look, read some of the dialogues. They are so powerful, hair-raising dialogues. Hair-raising dialogues. What happened to him? Can you stop him? Says Nefretari to Zipporah. Please, can you stop him? You lost him when he went in search for his God. I lost him when he found his God. What dialogues? Heavy. Bari both. So, Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and wisdom. And we know that the wisdom of the Egyptians is, we know, we heard, say, it's sorcery, by the way. Sorcery. It's witchcraft. Okay? Witchcraft. Now, witchcraft means you don't think about witchcraft just because somebody is doing mantra. No. There's, there's witchcraft in disguise. You, know, you, you should listen to one of Derek Prince's teaching called the witchcraft in disguise in the church. Wherever you see manipulation, intimidation, and domination, there is witchcraft. Okay. Children, it starts from there. And he says, the religion... What a statement, categorical. The religion of the fallen man is witchcraft, period. All the people in the seminaries went crazy over that statement. (laughs) But he was proven. (laughs) He was vindicated when he made that statement. So babies, no? I mean, when uh, when you see babies, I told you, right? Abigail, 
Don't go there. Okay? Don't go there. Don't go to the tap. Just in the night talking. Oh, she's here. Okay, she's watching me now. It was such a small baby. She had a walker nicely walking, walking slowly. She goes to the tap. She turns her head and she has to do something to it. And if I say something, what is that? Manipulation. I thought only robots manipulate. <laughs> they have our spirit. <laughs> that is why. That is the reason why they called manipulators. Huh? Okay. Oh, my goodness, I tell you. <laughs> we have, we had a mathematics course called the principles of robotic manipulation. <laughs> there is human manipulation. That is what what we call as witchcraft. That is mathematics. This is witchcraft. You see, babies do it. It's the first person who actually tried it was Madam Eve. You don't love me anymore if you don't eat it. Okay. It says Adam loved and he ate. He was not deceived. But she was deceived. You see? Witchcraft. Wherever you see manipulation, intimidation, and of course men have their own it's called strikers, no? What do they do? They strike. That is what we call, they show up their strength. So we all are guilty in some level or the other of what we call as manipulation. Okay. So, he was learnt in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. And look at the wisdom of the Egyptians, how futile it is. Left, right, mutter. That's it. That is Egyptian wisdom. Turn to the left, turn to the right, kill in, in other words, you went to university, you got all your PhDs, and what are you doing? Look into the left, look into the right, and that's all you're doing, killing. This is the reason why we get deceived. That's what, what Moses, um, what's that, Potiphar's wife says, nobody is seeing. Stolen waters are sweet. Bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But they do not know that the dead are there. It says in Proverbs. The dead are there. And her paths lead to the hell. None who traverse her path return, nor do they regain the paths of life. What statements those are. So powerful statements. Nor do they regain the paths of life. So he just looked to the left and looked to the right and he murdered. That's the wisdom. And God says, I have to empty you of all this wisdom. So what does he do? In Exodus chapter 3, turn with me to Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 onwards. Just Let's read, let's, let's read the verse, verses 1 to 3. 1 to 5 maybe, 1 to 5. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him from the flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see. That's the first time you hear the word turn aside. Mean, uh, the word is sur means to turn aside. Hebrew word is sur. To turn aside. To depart from all these ways that I've, that I've adhered to all these days. Now I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to seek the ways of God. That is what turning aside is. That is what we call as repentance, right? Repentance. If you turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3 verse 7. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 7. You'll see the same word sur appearing. 
do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away. That word was to turn away. Just turn, turn. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, then he started speaking to him. He says, Moses, Moses, turn. Understand that? What was the sin of Israel during the time of Judges? They were all doing what was right in their own eyes. That's the kind of world that we are living in. A generation that we live in, wise in their own eyes, yet absolutely far from God. Wise in their own conceits, absolutely useless to God. Therefore, the very first sermon on the day of Pentecost, is it says, with many words, he exhorted them, telling them, be saved from this perverse or untoward generation. Why? Why? Proverbs chapter 30, verses 11 to 15, 14. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 11 to 14. <clears throat> Look at what it says. There is a generation that curses its father and does not bless its mother. Think about this. We're living in that generation. We're not, just in other words, there is a generation which has no respect for elders at all. At all. And we are taught this in universities and we, th- we think that is cool. If you go abroad, here in India, sir, okay, I like Indians, okay. Even if they take a course from India about a, a professor from, from university in, let's say, in Harvard University, they still address him as sir. But the North American way is not like that. They don't call me Vijay, Dr. Vijay or they don't even call me Vijay, sir. They call me Vijay. And how do I address my professor? Madhav. Who are speaking? One is one is student, the other is professor. What has happened? The earth is flat. Now, isn't it interesting? We have come from earth is what? Round to earth is flat. That's what we contended first. Galileo said, the earth is round. All of them said, earth is flat. And they persecuted him. Now we also say, earth is flat means what? There is no hierarchy. You can walk into anybody's office just like that. And that's exactly what happened even corporate corporate entities, right? The days of Infosys and Naran Murthy is over. How did they come to offices? Tie. The, the, you should see how, I mean, they were so strict on it. You can be a B-Tech from IIT. And if you are get entering into Infosys campus without a tie, you know what the, the guy, the, the security guard will do? Send you home. Hey, I'm IIT boss. You know what a B-Tech degree? No, sir. Your, your attire is not well. Please go home. Uh, change and come. That's it. That was the days of Naran Murthy. Great man. And I really respect him. Now what has happened? You go to corporates now. You're all laughing. Your laughter says a lot of things. I don't have to say anything else. So true. So true. And work from home has messed it up even more further. It is not even work from home anywhere. It is work from anywhere. (laughs) Work from anywhere. So where are people now? They are in Goa on the beach with their, uh, what is that, what do you call it? What is it called, Prabha? Uh, Dongle, yeah, dongle. Goa on the beach, dongle and having a conference call with their uh, clients. Where have we come? See? 
There's no respect. Do we live in that generation? Yeah, we, we absolutely live in that generation. We have no respect for teachers, especially. In our culture, Matru Devo Bhava, Pitru Devo Bhava, Acharya Devo Bhava. Guru Mukhasya That is our culture. Even the guru or the teacher is considered as God because he is the one who imparts wisdom. That's exactly what our culture, even the Judai culture was, right? What does Barthema say when he is healed of his, of his, uh, of his, uh, of his, uh, sorry, blindness? He says, Raboni, Raboni, my teacher. Raboni, my teacher. But we have messed it up. There is a generation which curses father and mother and does not bless its uh, uh, curses its father and does not bless its mother. There is a generation that is pure in its own eyes, yet it is not washed from its filthiness. What an indictment on this generation! Pure in its you don't understand. You are living in those in those uh, old times. So they are making some stupid web series. This is called OK Computer. Have you seen that? Stupidest web series on planet Earth. They don't even know what they are making. That's how we, are, we, have come, we have come to. They have come to a point where they don't even know what they, we are making. It's absolutely idiotic. And the most incredible filth is being propagated and we are saying we are progressives. Filth. It is not from and then again verse 13 and 14 there is a generation oh how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up my goodness their attitude they wear it on their shoulders they say no there is a generation whose teeth are like swords whose fangs are like knives to devour the poor from the earth and the needy from among men this is the generation that we are living in you know what God says save yourself what are their ideas ideas are absolutely impure they have totally, totally, you know, I mean, you should look at websites and application forms and universities abroad. Application forms, it stuns me. I'm not even talking about like 35 years, 10 years back, 2015, 2005, 2003. I, when I went abroad, gender, male or female, that's it. Now, preferred gender pronoun. Where are we come to? Where are we come to? What are we? How lofty our ideas. And we are deceiving ourselves. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 16. A wise man, it says, a wise man fears and turns away from evil, but a fool rages and is self-confident. Right? You should be confident in yourself. You should believe in yourself. That is what we have these days. And what does God, what does scripture say? We are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, who joy in Christ Jesus and who have no confidence in the, in the flesh. Totally contrary. That's the reason why God says, my ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts. So who does God teach? Whom does God teach? It says in Proverbs chapter 20, uh, sorry, Psalm 25 verses 8 and 9. Psalm 25 verses 8 and 9. <clears throat> Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he teaches sinners the way, that means those who acknowledge that they are sinners the way, the humble he guides in justice, and the humble he teaches his way. The humble, 
That means what should happen? The wisdom of this world, you should say, Lord, this is all nonsense. I humble myself and I say, Lord, teach me yours. That's exactly what happened ultimately to Moses. What is he say, Lord? Lord, these are your people, Lord. You have called me. And if I have found favor in your eyes, Lord, teach me your ways so that I might guide your people. Teach me. Show me your paths. Humble. He guides with justice. This is the wisdom which is from God. That's what it says in James chapter 3. If you turn with me to James chapter 3, verse 13, in from in the NIV only. It's very interesting in NIV. NIV, <clears throat> 13 onwards. James chapter 3, verse 13 onwards. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the, hum- in the humility that comes from? Can you imagine? Actually, wisdom, the, the original wisdom which comes, comes from God, what does it make you? It makes you humble. What does it make? It gives you an attitude. I don't know anything. You know everything. Unless you teach me, I am nothing. I don't know anything. You know everything. If you, Unless you teach me, I am nothing. So if you turn with me to, to uh, Psalm 92 verses 13 and 14 if I am right. Psalm 92 third verse 13 and 14. I like those verses. 13 and 14 if I am right. Let's see. 92. And we will come back to James. Okay. Uh, Psalm 94. Psalm 94. Psalm 94 verse 13 and 14. Ah, uh, sorry, just a second, please. Where he says, oh, I should have put that. Which teach, he will teach his law. Uh, yeah, 12 and 13. 12? Is it 12? Ah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, I forgot that was. I'll, I'll get back to you on that later on. Okay, just leave it. So let's go back. Verse uh, James chapter three, verse thirteen. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct or uh, his good life by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition, what is that? Selfish ambition in your hearts. Do not boast about it or deny the truth. What happens? This wisdom does not descend from above, but it's earthly. Other translations use the word unspiritual or soulish and demonic. What is it? Where, is, where there is selfish ambition or other translations use the word where there is bitter envying and strife. Strife or selfish ambition. See, Ambition or selfish ambition, there's a lot of difference. We make it our ambition. You should have an ambition. Okay. Selfish ambition is dangerous. Okay. Lack of ambition is also dangerous. There was a conversation between a father and a teenage son. Uh, when the teenage son was watching the television and wasting his time. Father. Son, why don't you get a job? Son. Why? Father. So you can earn some money. Son. Why? Father. So you can put some money in a bank account and earn interest. Son. Why? So that, father says, so that when you are old, you can use the money you have saved to live on and you won't ever have to work again. Son. I am not working now. Why do you have to go through all this? That is lack of ambition. We are not talking about that. I do not. <laughs> Unfortunately, so many believers are like that. Not teenagers. Forget teenagers. I don't have any ambition. 
and therefore I do nothing. That is not what he's talking about. He's talking about selfish ambition. Selfish ambition is you want to become too rich too quick. Too godly, too early. <laughs> you know what, what God says? Little by little, I will drive out these nations as lest what will come? The wild beast will come. So, too godly, too early also is dangerous. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, what, don't misunderstand me. It means the moment you get too godly, do you, are you really godly? Are you becoming more humble? Are you really becoming more considerate? Are you becoming so more loving, more patient with others? That is godliness. That doesn't happen in a day. That is the reason why Eugene Peterson says, he calls it the patient acquisition of virtue. What? That word, I, I always underline it in my book. Patient acquisition of virtue. Doesn't happen in a day. Selfish ambition. What is selfish ambition? I'll show you. Genesis chapter 13. If you turn with me to Genesis chapter 13, verses 5 to 7. Genesis chapter 13, verses 5 to 7. Lot also, who went with Abraham, had flocks and herds and tents. But the land was not able to support them. That they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And then there was strife, you see that? Between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock, the Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. Who kept quiet? Lot kept quiet. Abraham took action. So what it says, verse 8. Abraham said, Abraham said, please let there be no strife. You take first choice. And Lot, what wisdom? Worldly wisdom. So, how do we get this wisdom? With an attitude of humility. Okay. With an attitude of humility. If you turn with me to John's Gospel, chapter 1. John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse uh, 30 onwards. This is he of, of whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel, therefore I came baptizing with water. Then John bore witness saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove. Verse 32, that's it, you can stop there, okay. I saw a spirit, the, the spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he, the spirit, remained upon him. So, on whom does the spirit descend and remain? That is the lamb of God. There are two animals in the Bible. One is the lamb, the other is the beast. Okay. One is the lamb, the other is the beast. The beast is wanting, wanting, wanting. The lamb is obeying, obeying, obeying. And he says, on, upon whom you see the Holy Spirit descending and remaining is what? Is the is, is the lamb, okay? Remaining upon him. Meaning what? Lot of people have this Holy Spirit descending upon them, but it does not remain upon them. There's a lot of difference. Okay, that is the reason why it says, you have to be very careful because the spirit, right? The, the wisdom that is just from above, if you want to really have the spirit of wisdom and revelation, it has to remain upon you. Okay, it only remains upon those who are humble, it says in uh, uh, Psalm, uh, Psalm chapter 25, right? So how, what, does, what does it mean? I do not want the spirit to just uh, descend upon me. I want him to remain upon me. So what should I be? I have to be very, very careful with the spirit. I should not quench the spirit. I should not grieve the spirit. I should not insult the spirit. I have to be extremely careful. Otherwise, what happens? The spirit of the Lord came upon David, but the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And after that, it's over. 
Okay. The spirit of the Lord came upon Solomon, I'm sorry, Samson, and after that, the spirit of the Lord departed from Samson, and he did not know that the spirit of the Lord departed from him. So, what should we have? We should have the spirit upon us, and he also has to remain upon us. And where does the spirit remain? Where you respect him. Where you submit to his authority. Where you submit to his ordained leadership. That is the wisdom. Wisdom which is from above. Let's turn back to James chapter 3, verse 16 onwards now. Wisdom which is from above. Look at those verses, words. Wisdom which is from above. James chapter 3, verse 16 now. Uh, sorry, verse uh, 17. <clears throat> yeah? It was uh, the wisdom which is from peace. 17. But the wisdom that comes from above is first of all pure. Then peace loving. Considerate. And I like the word submissive. You see that? Submissive. Other translations will use the word willing to yield. Full of mercy and good fruit. Impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. So, how do we do it? How do we get this wisdom from God? First, get an attitude. You know, it says wisdom has built our house. First, get an attitude. First, you have purity. Lord, purity. Peace loving. Submissive. That's the word which I always underline. Submissive. Submissive. Come under authority. Submit yourself to God ordained authority in your life so that you can learn from Him. Otherwise, you'll be deceiving yourself. That's the reason why it says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and in the due time, He will raise you up. That is the first deception which I want to look at. So let's go to the next one. Turn with me to First uh, Corinthians. Chapter 6, verses 9 to 10. Verses 9 to 10. Do you not know that the unrighteous will inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you, says, but you have washed... You are sanctified. You have been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. How do we deceive ourselves? We live a lifestyle of sin and we think it is okay. 1 John chapter 1 verse 8. If we say we have ah, no sin, we deceive ourselves. If we are wise in this world, we deceive ourselves. If we have, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. You see that? And the truth is not in us. Second way we deceive ourselves. When we, when we excuse a lifestyle of disobedience and sin. Self-deception. God understands. God needs it. It is sacrifice. Etc. You know how deceive, uh, uh, deceitful sin is, no? Um, there was a guy called Charles Simeon. Okay? I was here listening to a sermon by Martin Lloyd-Jones called Sin and Self-Deceit. Okay? He gives an example of uh, a guy called Charles Simeon. Charles Simeon was a godly young man, but he had a problem. What is his problem? He wanted to wake up early in the morning by 5 o'clock and wanted to spend time with the word and, and in prayer before he began his day. Which many of us try and successfully are unsuccessful. Okay. So one day he said, you know what? He was living in a dormitory. Okay. And he had a, a home, home taker, a caretaker. He was living in his dormitory. He was getting so frustrated. He was not able to get up in the morning. He said, okay, fine. 
uh, he called the caretaker of the home and she said, Madam, please knock my door at five in the morning. And if I don't open the door in two minutes, I will give you half a sovereign. Half a sovereign is a lot of money. Okay, Half a sovereign is a lot of money. It's quite a, quite a bit of money. So he said, by this at least... I'll lose my money. At least by this, I can get up in the morning and I will overcome this habit of uh, of sleeping late. So the next day, that lady, you know, she came and knocked on the door and she said, Sir, it's five in the morning. And he turned the other way and he said, Oh, this poor woman, she needs my money. And she got, he got, you see, you see, that is how self-deceived we are. Oh, this poor woman, she needs my money. That's what he says, no, that, that's, what, that's the reason why this preacher says, the infinite capacity of the human heart to hide the truth from itself when the truth is very inconvenient. That's how we hide. Did you obey the commandments of the Lord? Yes, I obeyed the commandments of the Lord. What do I hear? Look at that. First, first Kings chapter 15. Okay. So, Samuel, sorry. First Samuel chapter, uh, chapter 15. Actually, it is first Kings according to the Hebrew. Okay. First Kings is, first Samuel is first Kings. And, uh, Chronicles is sixth Kings. Alright. Hmm. So it says, verse 14. But what is the bleating of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen? And Saul said, they have brought it. That's exactly what sin does. It always puts the blame on somebody else. That is how deceitful we are. Who's the problem? I am not the problem. When the serpents came and started uh, biting these fellows, they complained against who? Moses and Aaron. Who are the, who's the problem? You are the problem. That is an age-old problem of the human heart. What do we do? When the, when the truth is not, not very convenient, first thing we do is we blame somebody else. First thing. Second, I wrote this down. Look at the success my disobedience achieved. Look at the success my disobedience. We won the war. Okay, if we got defeated, at least, okay, that is fine. That, that means I did not obey. But we won the war. We captured Agag. Huh? That is the reason I like what Pastor said. No, don't subscribe to our channel. Okay. Because we do not want to look at the numbers. And there was one sister who commented on the comment section. Uh, for the very first time, I found a channel which says, please don't subscribe. <laughs> because I'll tell you something. I've seen people who started very, 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 very humble. Now what happens is, the more they become successful, especially when they become YouTube sensations. Nowadays, anybody can become YouTube sensation. They, become, they have thousands and thousands of subscribers. How they became, how they were and how they became. What has happened? Look at my disobedience. Now, don't look at my disobedience. Look at my success. Second, everyone is happy. Everyone is happy. Why? Because they can all sacrifice to God now. That is the reason why Jesus said, what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination. You know what? I'm the king. It's little, little disobediences. What will happen? You see, your position, what has happened? Your position has justified your disobedience now. Actually, that's to make you more careful and more accountable. That's what it says, no? In the days of his flesh, with loud cries and tears, he made supplications to God and he was heard because of his what? Of his reverent submission or because of his godly fear. 
Otherwise, we'll be deceiving ourselves. Do not deceive yourselves. It says in uh, Galatians chapter 6 verse 7, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that's exactly what he will reap. So how do we deceive ourselves? When we say, we do not have sin. And what do we do? We try to cover up our sin by giving all these excuses. That is the reason why Proverbs chapter 28 verse 15, 28 verse 13, 28 verse 13, 28 verse 13, he who covers his sin, yeah, he who covers his sins will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes will obtain mercy. Otherwise we will be deceiving ourselves. So first, we deceive ourselves because we are very wise in this world. Second, we deceive ourselves because our sin deceives us. The deceitfulness of sin. Third, we deceive ourselves. How? James chapter 1, verse 21 to 22. Let's see that. <clears throat> Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. Otherwise, you will fantastically deceive yourselves. <laughs> It's amazing, no? See, that's what, uh, I think C.S. Lewis was the one who said. Because we have so much knowledge about God, we think that we are so spiritual, but we have actually not attained that. Attained that position. In that, in that way, we not only deceive ourselves, we deceive others also. They think that we are very spiritual. When we are not. There is an environment, my dear brothers. There are two kinds of people which are, who are growing. I show, if you turn with me to uh, Isaiah chapter 16. Isaiah chapter 60 verses 1 and 2. Isaiah chapter 60 verses 1 and 2. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you, and, the, and, and his glory will be seen upon you. That means two people are there. Upon one people, the light is increasing. Upon the other people, what is increasing? Darkness is increasing. There will be wheat, and there will be Tears. Now think about it. Both have the same climatic conditions. And the, both the climatic conditions is making them ripe. One is, one is becoming tears, one is becoming wheat. What is the climate that we are living in? We are living in what we call as a climate of absolute availability of all kinds of information. Those days, I'll tell you something. Those days when we, when we were doing research in our university, we had to go to the library and to search and search for one paper. And then what we call our uh, our research lab, uh, sub- subscribe to this uh, journal, and now we had access in the university with for all the journals that we, that we wanted on the computer. Now what has happened? There's a there's a website called Sci-Fi Sci-Fi Tub. Now everything is absolutely freely available to everybody, free of cost. And so we have we are in a in a in a in a in an age and in a generation where everything is so freely available, and it is up to you what you what you will choose. Will you choose the godly stuff and ripen to become a wheat, or will you choose ungodly stuff? Both are growing. Revelation chapter twenty-two, verses ten and eleven. Revelation chapter 22 verses 10 and he said to me, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He who is unjust. Let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, holy, let him be holy still. No, I loved what Zach Penn said about this. You know what he said? He was asking the Lord. He said, Lord, just give me light on this word. And you know what he said? 
This light, this is the light that God told him. He said, you know, you read all these verses, chapters from Genesis 1 to Revelation 21. After having read all these chapters until verse, 20, verse 10, if you want to become unholy, be unholy. If you want to be filthy, be filthy. If you want to be righteous, be righteous. If you want to be holy, be holy. The choice is yours. Why? Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 13. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 13. Evil men and imposters. Other words, actually the original word is enchanters. Evil word and enchanters. They will enchant you. You know, in in in, um, in French, you know how they say, "How are you?" Enchanté, mademoiselle. Pleased to meet you. I'm enchanted to meet you. Hmm. <laughs> That's what it means. Evil men and enchanters will grow worse and worse. What do they do? They are deceived, and they will be deceiving others. But how do we fight this? Look at what Paul says in in verse ten. Turn ten onwards. Okay. But you have carefully followed my doctrine. You have carefully followed my doctrine. You have followed, you have obeyed my doctrine. You have obeyed my manner of life. It's very important. What did he obey? The manner of life. In in other words, the kind of uh, spiritual environment that I grew in. My manner of life, you obeyed it. You obeyed my purpose. You followed it. You obeyed my faith. You followed my faith. You obeyed and you saw my long suffering. You saw my love. You saw my perseverance. You saw my persecutions and afflictions which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions I endured. And out of them all, the Lord delivered me. And he says, verse 12, but I will tell you, yes, all who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But what should you do? Be a doer. Follow me. Follow me. What did I do? You, you, you follow my doctrine. Follow my doctrine. You follow my manner of life. That's what he t- Mordecai tells Esther. He says, you know what I t- taught you, right? When you, you when you were with me. Now you are in the palace and you are enjoying your life. Don't forget the manner of life that I taught you when you were with me. Otherwise you just heard and not you are a doer. What are you doing? You are deceiving yourself. You are deceiving yourself. So how do we do this? How do we counter this deception? If you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 and 13. How do we counter this? The word of God is living and powerful. First thing. Okay. Start reading and allowing the word to to interrogate you, okay? Sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of the first word, thoughts and the intentions. So every time we receive the word, what should we judge? Thoughts and intentions. Why? The heart of a man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. You know, the, the, the Septuagint puts it very, very interestingly. It says, the heart of man is very deep. Very deep. And during the days of Noah, it says, every thought and intention and imagination of man's heart was what? Evil continually. And what should we do? Let the word of God start judging my intention and my thought. Two important things that we have to judge. My thought life and my intent. Okay? Alright? And then look more. 
and there is no creature hidden from his sight but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him that you to whom you must give an account that means you are living in the light of what the coming judgment judging yourself every day in the light of what you hear so every time we hear the word of god what do we do we say lord judge my thought judge my intention why do i say certain things why do i do certain things why do i give <laughs> why do i not give why do i do certain things these are the things that we constantly keep examining i'm not saying this is a morbid thing but this is something which we truly 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 do because you know one day we have to stand before god and he will not only judge the actions he will judge also judge the intentions of our heart the thoughts and the intentions of our heart the final way we judge ourselves so we deceive ourselves first corinthians chapter 15 I'm going to stop stop with that. First Corinthians chapter 15 verse 33 and 34. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. <laughs> Understand this. Okay. The very very important the company that you choose. Okay. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. means what understand this understand your capacity as to how much you can handle the world stay away stay away from worldly influences as much as you can okay the world is right there in the form of this and youtube okay very very easy to get suckered into it jeremiah chapter 15 let's read from verse 15 onwards yeah Oh Lord you know remember me and visit me and take vengeance for me on my persecutors in your enduring patience do not take me away know that for your sake i have suffered rebuke your words were found and i ate them and your word was was to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart for i am called by your by your name oh god of god of hosts i did not sit in the assembly of the mockers nor did i rejoice i sat alone because of your hand for you have filled me with indignation and he thought he was going to get a nobel prize why is my pain perpetual and my wound incurable which refuses to be healed will you surely be to me like an un- unreliable stream as waters that fail therefore thus says the lord if you can put this verse only in nlt please is very interesting one nlt nlt that's enough hmm? the lord replied if you return to me i will restore you so that you can continue to serve me if you speak speak words that are worthy you will be my spokesman you are to influence them do not let them influence you okay now tell me how many of our actions influence others how many of other people's actions are influencing us is a question how much of the world is influencing us and how much we are actually influencing the world influence the world instead of our, our own lives is a question otherwise we'll be deceiving ourselves you know why evil company corrupts good manners evil company corrupts good manners it's interesting right if you go to the bar like pastor was saying no if you go to the bar and if you are one guy who is not going to drink suddenly with all the bar say boil this man is a holy man let us stop drinking doesn't happen what will happen something else will happen are one one dip one okay one shot only no 
just taste okay put some tropicana also not a problem see how that is how subtly the world will come so that's the reason why righteous people will stand alone it's it is not normal we are degenerate by default we have to make an effort to be holy <laughs> do not be deceived bad company ruins good morals wake up your drunken stupor as is right therefore it says in james chapter 4 verse 4 james chapter 4 verse 4 you adulterers and adulteresses do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with god whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of god forsake it run away from this world influences second corinthians chapter 6 verse 17 second corinthians chapter 6 verse 17 wherefore come out from among them and be separate says the lord do not touch what is unclean and i will receive you okay so what is a one of the ways that we deceive ourselves we think that we will not be influenced by the worldly ideas around us no we are still not strong enough what should we do until we are strong like daniel we take a stand and continue to take a stand until until one day we know for sure that the world is not going to influence us we will influence the world it says in daniel chapter 11 verse 32 daniel chapter 11 verse 32 if you can put it first in nkjv and then in esv and we will stop daniel chapter 11 verse 32 those who do wickedly against the covenant he shall corrupt with flattery this is a, this was the antichrist but the people who know their god shall be strong and carry out great exploits if you to put it in esv but the people who know their god will stand firm and take action three things first of all if you know your god what will happen you'll get strength second if you know your god you will stand firm third if you know your god you will take action and that's exactly what the entire story of daniel is you really take action you know why over a period of time you've built strong convictions and now the world is not going to influence you you are going to influence the world and that's exactly what is told about the first century church they are these people who turn the world upside down they've also come here and they've filled jerusalem with their doctrine what's going to happen but until then strengthen yourself do not deceive yourselves so this morning even as we come to a close we have the capacity to deceive ourselves let us not be uh, what do you say complacent okay Second, uh, philippians chapter 2 verse 11 and 12 and we will stop <clears throat> philippians chapter 2 verse 11 and 12 uh yeah uh, verse 12 therefore my beloved as you have always obeyed not in my presence only but now much more in my absence work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is god who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure what is the point the point is this we all will appear before the judgment seat of christ and we will have to give an account as to what we have done with what god has given us okay those who know their god will stand firm and take action we will take action you see there are three kinds of people mentioned in matthew chapter 25 first is the virgins second is the guy with the talents right okay and the third the those people who dealt with the who were called the sheep and the goats okay what is the sin of these three people excuse me 
they did not take action exactly <laughs> virgins they were virgins but they did not have oil okay they did not do anything bad there was a servant who was talented what did he do he did not do anything with his talent and third when you saw the naked when you saw the hungry when you saw those people are in prison you they did not they did not did not did not did not but people who know their god will become strong or will stand firm and they will take action okay so these days will be the days you should prepare ourselves lord i do not want to take anything for granted i know the signs of the times are here and i do not want to be complacent i know one day i will stand before you and i have to give an account for everything or even every idle word that i have spoken and i want to live in the light of that make me lord a person who knows the terror of the lord and who will persuade men amen let's pray pastor pastor can you just come and close can you come and close yes shall we look to the lord father this morning we just come to you We thank you for your word, Lord. You never leave us without a witness or a warning, Father. And as the day comes closer and closer, Father, every second, the hour, that day is coming closer, where we will have to stand before thee, either by death or by your appearing. Both are coming closer to everyone. And I pray, Father, we will not cast your words aside. You said on that day, all judgment has been given to the Son by the Father, but I will not judge you. The words that you have heard, the word will judge you. And we have the word with us. And if we allow the word to judge us now, then on that day when we stand before you, the very word will release us. The word will not condemn us that day. And as David said, as the other prophets said, help us to treasure your word. To hide your word in us that we sin not against you. Help us, Lord. Let it be a new day, a new beginning for everyone. For your mercies are new every day. And you tell us, come boldly, confidently to the very throne room of grace and receive mercy and grace. And it's only by grace we can overcome. And you have given us that standing invitation to come to the throne room of grace and receive grace. And you came with grace upon grace, the fullness of grace, so that we can walk in that truth. Help us, Lord, help us to turn away from the world, the ways of the world, and turn to the word and to the ways of God. Give us strength to stand firm. As your servant said, take action. The decision is not for tomorrow. The decision is not even for today. It is for now. Help us, Lord. Once again, I commit the church into thy hands, here, everywhere. And I pray the hand of God will be upon your people, protecting us, 
preserving us, empowering us, and keeping us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Heal us, Lord. Strengthen us, Lord. Go with us, Lord, and go before us, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you. The new week has begun. We come at this week into thy hands. May Christ, the Christ in us, the hope of our glory, be glorified in us, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you. We praise you, we worship you, we glorify you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray, amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each one of us. Amen, amen, amen.